Mazen Ahmed is a security engineer that specializes in AppSec and offensive security. He's passionate about information security and has previously found vulnerabilities in Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Oracle, just to name a few. Mazen is the developer of several popular open source security tools that have been integrated into security testing frameworks and distributions. He also built FullHunt.io, a next-generation continuous attack surface security platform. And he's passionate about cloud security and has done dozens and continues to do dozens of experiments in the cloud security world. Mazen joins us to introduce Infrastructure as Code and Terraform and to discuss the security benefits of IAC and what those benefits are for your cloud environments. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Mazen Ahmed. You're about to listen to AppSec Podcast. When you're done with this, be sure to check out our other show, High Five. Hey folks, welcome to this episode of the Application Security Podcast. This is Chris Romeo. I am the CEO of Security Journey and also co-host of the podcast. I'm joined by Robert Hurlbut. Hey Robert, how's it going today? Hey Chris, yeah, it's Robert, threat modeling architect, and looking forward to another topic in application security today. Yeah, we're going to get into something that I think a lot of people feel like they understand, and we're here to challenge the status quo and say, you probably don't understand infrastructure as code. But hopefully by the end of this session, you'll understand infrastructure as code, you'll understand the security benefits of it, which are really the thing that interests us from an AppSec perspective. So um, our guest today is Mazen. And Mazen, we always start with security origin story. Our guests are on the edge of their seat. They want to know, how did you get into application security? Uh, first of all, thank you very much, uh, Chris and Robert. I'm really excited to be here. And let's start with my story. Uh, I started uh, in security when I was in high school, I think, around 14 or 15 years old. Uh, when I was 15, 14 or 15 years old, I it, it was only driven by curiosity, how things work, how things are supposed to work, and how things are not supposed to work. And at that time, I was just reading online in forums, taking courses, anything that I can find to read and learn, and doing my normal high school days. And uh, and after that, for, uh, after a couple of months, I learned about Bugcrowd. It's uh, a company that our platform that hosts uh, bug bounty programs. At that time, it was quite new, but now it's quite popular. And uh, I started uh, doing bug bounty hunting at that time, and I was really focused uh, around in 2014 or 2015. I was really focused on that. I used to be in the top 10 in of uh, bug crowd, and uh, after that, I started doing uh, penetration testing projects and appsec projects for uh, customers around the world. And then things went from there. So were you doing bug bounties while you were in high school still? Yeah. Okay. That's, there's a whole story to be told right there. Like, hey, you know, it's like I'm, I'm envisioning it's like a comic book. You know, it's the super, you know, superhero. Like, you know, by day, Peter Parker went to school. By night, he was Spider-Man. You know, that's kind of what I'm envisioning here. So um, what, how did you learn the things that you needed to know as a high school student to be able to be successful in bug bounty? This was really hard. Uh, like there are so many, like the internet has so many things that you can use to learn, but 
it's uh, like being self-taught was really hard because you wouldn't know what to learn and what's actually useful and what is this knowledge that you're reading correct or valid or applicable the only way that uh, like until you find a mentor I, when i started i did not have a mentor and which was uh, bad of course and uh, and i totally recommend if you're starting security try to find a mentor I was just reading everything that I can and try to apply it on labs or different uh, setups. And then uh, I would be spending or wasting actually hours just uh, trying things that appears to be non-useful until I find something that is useful and I build up from there. Very cool. No, that's that's neat. It's neat to to hear. And uh, for those, I don't know if we have any teenage listeners that are in high school on the Application Security Podcast. I certainly hope we do. But if we do, or if people listening have kids in high school, like they can become security professionals too. I mean, we always talk about how there's this giant void of security talent, and we can all argue about what the total number of people is, but we know there is a void, right, in the amount of security talent that we have in our industry, and we need to get more young people that make their way and become application security professionals. So that, that's really neat, though, to hear your your transition from, from high schooler to and bug bounty person to now having a, a career in application security. So curious, uh, Mason, that you have um, mentioned pen tests and, and working on um, testing applications and so forth. Uh, but what I also understand is that you've uh, sort of transitioned from internal pen tests to cloud security pen tests. So uh, tell us a little bit about that, some of your experiences with uh, pen testing in general, but also what, what made you switch and, and how did that sort of happen for you that uh, now that's probably the most important that you're looking at right now. Yep, for sure. When I started, I, uh, my focus was in web application security. It's still something that I'm interested in. And I was uh, solely doing a web application security uh, penetration tests and assessments. And from there, I was interested in how networking work, how would uh, how you break in into a network, how would you compromise entire infrastructure without really exporting a remote code execution on the web application? And that's why, where I started learning more about uh, internal penetration testing and how uh, would you do internal pen test from zero to the end. And I was doing this for a while for uh, different clients here until I reached the moment that I found that there is something that is way more dangerous than inter like uh, the security of internal networks is cloud security. Cloud security is a thing that uh, companies are just starting to notice how important uh, is it because of all of the breaches that happened in the past year or so after all of the pandemic and uh, move, uh, transitioning into remote work environments. And uh, may, let's, let's say that you may have the most secure uh, uh, application running on your infrastructure, but if you misconfigure your cloud environment, you're done. Your uh, breach and next week you would be in the news. Do you, just a follow-up question, uh, when you said that uh, 
you know, more companies obviously are going to the cloud and, and, and starting to look at cloud security. Uh, do you find that uh, a number of those uh, companies uh, initially think that it's all taken care of for them, that they just think, well, I moved to the cloud, it'll take care of that for me. It's already secure. It's uh, they're already going to, it's all going to be done for me, essentially. That's, that's the benefit or something like that. Do you find that uh, sometimes in terms of approaches or, or thoughts about cloud or cloud security? Yeah, 100%. And, uh, and there are like, two different uh, views. Uh, one view is the entire security is being managed by your cloud provider, whether it's AWS, Azure, or Google Cloud. Uh, and the second uh, like uh, view is, yes, the security is done by, uh, uh, like by, cloud, by the cloud provider, but we have to do minimal security checks for, I don't know, S3 or something like that. Just the uh, the like the most minimal thing that can be done. But the reality is, it's a lot of the things. Uh, there are a lot of things that you would have to manage and secure and scan, monitor and configure just to be in a typical secure environment, not the highest security. So when you think cloud security issues, I'm curious as a pen tester, what are your top few type of issues that you see all the time? Because we always hear about, you know, public S3 buckets or public storage buckets. That's, that's one that's always on people's top three, but what, what, what else would you, how would you, what, what else would you add on that list? If you had to give us a couple of more outside of storage bucket, public nature. Yeah, sure. For sure. Uh... Okay, let's say let's talk about um, a scenario where I'm a, an external attacker. I do not have access to your to your cloud account or to your network, and I'm assigned to attack your network or your uh, cloud environment. One attack uh, vector that is uh, like I'm seeing a lot of success on it for the past years are uh, server-side request forgery uh, (SSRFs) and the like the way that it works is I I would be adding an input or injecting an input or inserting an input into an application that is processing a URL or a value that is fetching resources from other places. And if uh, this is not being checked correctly, then uh, a, a person can I in, uh, insert a URL that would redirect or fetch resources from the Metasix uh, server on your cloud uh, provider, like in AWS. Let's take AWS as, a, as an example. And when this happens, uh, you would be able to assume roles that this uh, resource is having and then gain access as the person or, or as the resource uh, that is being assumed. This is one scenario that is quite common. Yeah, and that's SSRF. If you think the OWASP Top 10 2021, the final edition has dropped now, SSRF stays or is now on the number 10 spot on the list. So um, even though the data said, the data, I think, from what I understood, didn't show you know, an overwhelming number, we still know that, that attackers are using SSRF in a lot of different environments for, for great success right now. So I'm glad that that made it to the OWASP top 10 now as a potential issue. Yep, 
I think it was a part of the in, uh, injection category, and then uh, this year they moved it into its own separate category, which is great because with cloud, this is a major attack vector when you're like uh, when you're coming from an AppSec into CloudSec perspective. Yeah. So let's change gears a little bit, but not we're not really changing gears that much because IAC infrastructure's code does have a direct mitigating factor on what's going to be found in your cloud pen test because if you get infrastructure as code right you're going to lock your stuff down but let's let's define infrastructure as code um i'm fond of saying you know explain it to me like i'm a fifth grader for infrastructure as code yeah for sure uh how do i start okay back in the days uh cloud providers and like uh, black providers had their uh, platform or console that people would go in and they would deploy their ec2s their vms their uh, any other source that they would like and they would just go in if they need to deploy 10 sv buckets they would do it one by one or they would write a script or something like that to do that it's not really as neat or maintainable but uh Typically, they would be wasting time in oh, and uh, without having real uh, supervision by doing all of the clicking on the UI. And then uh, what came to the scene is IAC, like infrastructure as code. And what it makes uh, made the, the difference is you can write all of the configurations and the requirements that you would like instead of just writing it on a note. You can write it on actual code. And then uh, this code would go in and would be deployed the same way that you configure it. So if you would like to deploy an, uh, I don't know, a VM with a specific uh, security group and then attach it to X and Y and Z and allow it to, uh, to have one and two and three, you can just write everything in uh, uh, as infrastructure as code. And then you can uh, have it being reviewed by uh, your teammates, and you can have it uh, like as as far as you have it as uh, like written as code. You can also have it uh, scanned for, uh, automatically in your CI pipeline. So many things that uh, are being opened now uh, with using infrastructure as code, comparing to the really old way where you would write all of your requirements in a in a in a document and then you would uh, send it to the infrastructure team and then they would read it and they would have a meeting. This is all changing because of infrastructure as code and I really mm -hmm. So would it, is it, we call it infrastructure as code, but is it better to call it, I mean, is it really, in, it's really infrastructure as config, right? Because isn't it YAML files? Isn't infrastructure as code, it's a series of YAML files that define an environment that's going to be built and then there's an interpreter that's interpreting those yaml files and then doing particular actions on a on a cloud provider so i think infrastructure as code is a catchier catchier word but is it really code because the like the the config the the yaml file isn't executable it's not compilable it's more like it's an interpreted am i going down the right road here or am i completely missing the boat well you're right in one part, and but uh, like there are uh, like uh, cloud uh, cloud orchestrators that are uh, totally relying on YAML and configurations that are static, 
and there are provider uh, orchestrators that take uh, the code that you write or the config uh, or the file in general and then they would dynamically um, parse it, validate it and execute anything that should be executed to get into the final stage of uh, deploying. Okay. So it's uh, like some of them are config and some of them are code, but uh, yeah, you're right on uh, the part of uh, infrastructure as code as a word is much uh, fancier as uh, comparing to config. Well, I think it also it sounds like it helps people understand who's doing this, right? It, it could be a, a coder, it could be, well, in a, in a DevOps type, of, it could be a developer, it could be operations, it could be a combination of the two, but essentially it's it's some kind of code or some kind of uh, script or some kind of and config as well and, and so forth. That's sort of managing this uh, is what it sounds like to me. So very cool. What are the security benefits of IA, AIC? Yeah, for sure. Uh, what I really like is uh, once you have, let's say that you have your entire environment uh, uh, be using IC for uh, like infrastructure deployment, what you can do now is you can have all of that uh, archived through Git, like and have it know, uploaded to GitHub or GitLab or the the Git provider that you're using. Let's take GitHub as an example. And once you have that, then you have a full archive of every change that happens into your cloud uh, environment. By who, who reviewed it, where is the PR that changed it, and what were the points of security or uh, considerations that were there? This is one thing, like manual review. And of course, uh, the other part of having it archived. This third part is once you have it on, on GitHub, you can add it to your CI pipeline. And uh, you can add the CI pipeline to, to scan it for security uh, and compliance checks. Uh, no, the, uh, please do not. The, uh, up, uh, the, uh, apply a, ch uh, a change or an addition uh, of an S3 bucket if it does not have versioning enabled or if it does not have uh, if, or if it's being public please do not uh, expose it or do not apply it and all of these things you can write like 20, 40 or 100 uh, rules and then you can have it uh, uh, checked every single time someone pushes code uh, on a on a feature uh, on a feature change so that they want to deploy it. Not only that, you can use already-made tools uh, like I'm talking about uh, Terraform now uh, for TFSEC and uh, Chekhov, and I think there is another scanner that I forgot its name, but TFSEC and Chekhov are the most uh, popular two, and these ha uh, tools has already built in modules that are really uh, and like uh, checks that are really useful out of the box. And once you have them, you have a full CI pipeline that is scanning in addition to your security team that is uh, helping you. Yeah, when I think um, security benefits, like if I if I step back and say, you know, from the 10,000 foot view, what is IAC in general providing for me from a security perspective? I'm, I'm from the days of old when we used to have hardening guides and we used to have like a checklist. Okay, go to onto the Unix host and make sure the file permissions in this directory are set to this. And then make sure these accounts aren't able to lot like, you know, in those days. And what happened is 
inadvertently, somebody would miss a step. Not even on, it was an accident. There were 129,000 steps we had to do manually. And so somebody would miss something and then there'd be a machine that would get compromised and we'd go back and do an investigation and say, oh, we forgot to do step 75. And so when I think about the security benefits of IAC and, and you know, as we get into Terraform here, it's we can pre-harden, we can define what we want from a hardened configuration and let the tool deploy those resources in the hardened state. And you don't have to have a person that's going through and, and doing those checklists. Not, you know, I kind of miss the, the good old days of going through a thousand steps and, you know, hey, what'd you do today? Well, um, I hardened one quarter of a Unix machine because I still have another 750 steps to do. So that's what I see as the big benefit. Do you really miss those, Chris? I don't. <laughs> I do not at all. I would much rather not be sitting there kind of typing all day long and then trying to, yeah. uh, you know, and then you got in trouble when you're like, oh, I remember all the steps now. I don't need the guide. Oh, whoa, look, we got another <laughs> host compromised. Who hardened right. this one? Uh, wasn't me. So, <laughs> so it, uh, Chris mentioned Terraform. Uh, tell us about that. How does uh, Terraform uh, play into IAC? Um. Terraform is the most popular cloud orchestrator today, in today's world. I think they have uh, millions uh, of downloads being used by, like, I don't know how many companies, but uh, I'm pretty sure, like, all of the companies that are focused on infrastructure as code, the majority of them are using Terraform. And the architecture, the way that Terraform works, how smooth you can uh, write uh, plugins, you can write modules, you can write uh, checks, or something that is not really seen in other uh, orchestrators. That's why I'm really focused on Terraform. And when, I, when I think of Terraform, one of the ways that, that somebody was explaining to me, or one of the big benefits of Terraform in general, is that it is cloud neutral. So you have some of the same capabilities yeah. in AWS, Azure, GCP, but Terraform allows you to potentially say, hey, I want to move my infrastructure from AWS to Azure. <laughs> I use my same Terraform and yeah. I swap out whatever's running underneath it and I can build the same environments. Probably got to tweak it a little bit, but I can come pretty close to not yeah. having to redesign my whole architecture. I, I get some of that neutrality from a cloud provider perspective so I can I can bounce around to another provider without be feeling like, oh, I'm, I couldn't leave my provider because they're so entrenched in how I do everything. It would take me years to move to another provider. Yep, for sure. And like, uh, speaking to this point, like the, uh, I think before Terraform, the, uh, the popular one was cloud for AWS cloud formation. Uh, and this allowed you to only deploy, of course, in AWS. It's still a good product, but when you have a single tool that you can write uh, configurations on resources for AWS and Azure and GCP and another, I think, 300 providers. Uh, they go from the smallest, uh, the, the biggest provider to the smallest ones, and you can have them all covered within your code. I even saw one company that is doing uh, GitHub management, like for uh, for creating repositories and managing applications and everything through uh, Terraform. What are the attack vectors on Terraform environments then? So I'm curious about 
this from two different perspectives. But the first perspective is from how can you as a pen tester attack Terraform itself? Like, is, is, are there interfaces that are exposed that you can go after? Or does this happen so far behind the scenes that you can't touch it? Or what, you know, do your eyes light up as a pen tester when you hear Terraform is being used? Or do you like, are you discouraged? Like, oh, Terraform, nothing for me to attack there. Uh, for me, I kind of get uh, interested when I see Terraform uh, or know that the company is using Terraform because before I jump into uh, like the victors, let's, let's talk about how it works. But uh, the way that Terraform works is, uh, let's say to, today I want to deploy uh, an S3 bucket, and then I would write the code, would uh, then uh, have it uh, uh, applied through Terraform, and the, and the the server or the or the machine that is running Terraform would have all of the permissions required to deploy to the account or uh, to deploy the resource to the account. Like essentially, it should be admin access. So, if uh, like this, and then you can say that uh, this, uh, like we are using Terraform to also deploy to uh, multiple accounts or multiple providers. So this means that the same machine would have access to all of them. So if you happen to land into the machine that is running Terraform, then probably you you won the battle, you have access to everything. And uh, one thing that, uh, another thing that they have is the, the way that it works, like if I deploy today uh, uh, like a storage bucket and then tomorrow I want to deploy um, an, an EC2 or a security group, then Terraform would go and check what's uh, the state of uh, the infrastructure by checking the the current things that are being deployed through a state file that they uh, uh, store all of the config, uh, changes on, and this and this would have all of the resources and everything that is being uh, deployed through Terraform. So let's say you deploy an RDS uh, uh, through Terraform. What would happen is uh, it would be deployed, but and the output. Uh, which is like the database password would be stored in the output uh, of, uh, the of the Terraform state file. And anything that is a secret or, or a key or anything that is being retrieved after the deployment to be reused should be there in the state file, in the typical cases, I mean. And if you get access to that state file at any time, this is a huge one, you would find database passwords, uh, like uh, like if someone deploys an IAM user and the keys, then you would find that too there and everything. Yeah, that seems, it's almost like a similar problem to having keys in your code, you know, hard-coded keys to get checked into Git. Do you check that? Does that state file get checked into Git sometimes on accident as well? I haven't honestly seen this before, but... I, I don't think that this would not happen. I'm pretty sure this happened before to, uh, to different teams and different yeah. companies. So as an attacker, then, if you can get into the infrastructure that the company is using, where the, wherever they're running Terraform from, sounds like there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of interesting data and information that you can then manipulate to, if you can get that state file, you can get passwords to all the things that have been built and deployed on their cloud infrastructure and potentially find a, a back door 
from the perspective of, you know, they, they, they've created a backdoor scenario, not on purpose, but just by being careless with the way that they run something like Terraform and, and how they protect that. So what do you recommend then? Um, is for, what should we do? Uh, by the way, better, better, uh, better yet, if you don't find a backdoor, you can even create it because you would have admin access. Uh, you would can you can create an an admin uh, use a new admin uh, IAM user and that would have admin access, or you can append your uh, like or you can create a, a secondary key for another user and then uh, as unless someone is really paying attention, uh, you wouldn't be detected. Yeah. So, which is so what do you cool. do? What, what's your what's your recommended mitigation? against this? How do we prevent this from happening? The first thing to start with is learning about all of the attacks and all of the victors and how all of the threats that uh, using Terraform uh, like, uh, can bring to the organization. Terraform has a lot of security features that would uh, like uh, and security gains that you would, ha you would uh, get when you use Terraform, but still just deploying Terraform and uh, run it in your infrastructure does not mean that it would be secure. You have to do a lot of work uh, there from the, from the time that you are using or uh, like Terraform has to, do, uh, to store a state, back, uh, a state file or a state backend somewhere from the play, uh, moment you are trying to secure the, the, the storage place that is being uh, uh, used on the deployment to the time, uh, to the part or where you are securing the machine or the VM that is running uh, Terraform, whether it's enterprise or uh, like an, uh, the version, uh, like the Atlantis, it's like a fork uh, or a project that is built on top of Terraform that you would use for your, uh, Terraform automation. So there are so many things that you would have to uh, make sure to lock in your network before you can say, hey, Terraform is awesome. Cool. Now that's helpful to understand how, um, you know, what Terra what IAC is, the security benefits, what Terraform is, and then the attack vectors that someone can use against Terraform, and then the mitigations or the importance of protecting your infrastructure that you're using to run Terraform because it effectively has access to everything. That's how it can create the things that it needs to do. So um, what would be your call to action here? You know, as we kind of wrap up our conversation, like what, what would you like our, our uh, listeners to do as a result of this information you shared with them? Uh, two things. One is cloud security is not as easy as it looks. There are so many things uh, hidden in the background and so many uh, knowledge and learning that has to be done in order to work in, uh, into building a security program for the cloud environment. And second thing is security tools uh, or security products are not uh, are the golden solution to solve your security problems. Even if you have the most expensive solution uh, on the market, this as as far as you are not configure, uh, working into configuring and securing and monitoring your cloud environment, your network won't be as secure as uh, you would uh, yeah. think. So, well, yeah. Mazen, thank you for uh, 
enlightening us, explaining some of these things for us and for our audience. I know I've got a better understanding of IAC and Terraform and its capabilities now. And I know you've got uh, you've got a startup that's focused on this as well. That's Full Hunt. I'll just do a, you know just throw the name out there as a quick plug so people can check out uh, what what you're doing with with Full Hunt as far as being able to scan and, and look for some of these types of attack surface challenges. Um, so I'll, I'll throw that in as well. You know, on top of the things that, that Mazen shared, have, a, t have a, a look at Full Hunt and see if that's something that uh, could potentially help trying to get a, get your arms wrapped around what this problem is. So Mazen, thank you for taking the time to be with us today and uh, for sharing this knowledge about IAC and Terraform. Thank you very much, Chris, and pleasure to be here. Thanks for listening to the Application Security Podcast. You'll find the show on Twitter at AppSec Podcast and on the web at www.securityjourney.com slash resources slash podcast. You can also find Chris on Twitter at EdgeRoute and Robert at Robert Hurlbut. Remember, with application security, there are many paths, but only one destination.